0: welcome to church today the message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church be encouraged as you enjoy this message let us pray Father in the name of Jesus I ask Lord simply that my lips would speak your words that your spirit would would have his way. I thank you for the opportunity. It's always good to speak within the body of Christ. I thank you, Lord, that you've brought us to this place. I thank you, Lord, that you know what you are doing and you know what you need to do and you know what you want to do. And it's up to us to cooperate with your Holy Spirit. So I bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, when Pastor Rod emailed me and asked me to speak, I was a bit surprised. Not by his email, but I was surprised by the Lord's response. And so I asked the Lord, what should I say before the people? And he was quiet at first, a little bit quiet. Then after a day, he just said, living in the world. I want you to speak about living in the world. So I said, Lord, what is it about living in the world that we need to talk about? And what the Lord was talking to me about was that we need his counsel for how to live in the world. Okay? And boy, did he counsel me. I was shocked at how much detail the Lord wants to release to us about how we should be living. Okay? we'll get into that so what is this thing the world I mean the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son in John 3.16 okay? but that's not what the Lord is talking about God loves the world in terms of all the people yeah, and we as his children are called to love the people It says in 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And that is our default position in Christ. We are to love all the people of the world. But the concept of the world is not just about the people. The world in scripture is defined in different ways. And the way that I want to talk to us today about is this aspect of the world that is not of God. Okay, It's defined as the humanistic system that is at odds with God. Corrupt value system that's at work in the world this we are definitely not called to love okay it says in uh, 1 john 2 15-16 do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh Craving for sensual gratification and the lust of the eyes. Greedy longings of the mind and the pride of life. Assurance in one's own resources or in the stability of earthly things. These do not come from the Father, but are from the world. So God does not want his children to love the world. Okay? You are not to love the world. Now, when you become a Christian, you're supposed to leave the world. The world's system, the world's doctrine, the world's philosophy behind you, right? You're supposed to come out of the world and be a new creation. There's a lot of scripture today, so definitely have your Bibles ready. Okay, Isaiah 55, 7 says this. Let the wicked forsake his way and the righteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have love, pity. Modern Gadgets. And mercy for him and to our God, for he will multiply to him his abundant pardon. So, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord. That's what we were, wicked with unrighteous thoughts that we have now forsaken And come to the Lord for pardon through Christ. So, what is it about this world? Why is the world at odds with the godly? And what is our position in living in this world? God is not calling us to step out of the world. We have to be in the world as Christians in order for the victorious power of Jesus Christ to be at work in those dark places. So we definitely are not called to step out of the world. But there is something to be said for not capitulating with the evil society, which is the world. John 17:14 to 18 says this. I have given and delivered to them your word. Now this is Jesus saying, praying for his disciples. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you will take them out of the world, but that you will keep them and protect them from the evil one. Now I'm going to stop there. So this is Jesus praying for his disciples that the Lord would not take them out of the world, but would protect them. Protect them from the evil one. Now this is a crucial thing to understand that as Christians, we are at war, okay? We are absolutely at war, and this is part of what the Lord was speaking to me that he wants us to talk about. So, what is the best way of living in the world? Now, I thought I was doing okay. I actually thought, look, you know what? I'm different to how I was when I wasn't saved. My life is okay. In line with your word, Lord. I was wrong. I was wrong. There are always levels. Now, the Lord is not just talking about sin, unrighteousness, and things like that. Because praise God... I'm no longer a slave to sin. And anyone that professes Jesus Christ is no longer a slave to sin. Now, you may have your ups and you may have your downs, and you may need to repent from time to time, but you are no longer a slave. Okay? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Apostle Paul, in his first letter to the Corinthians, explained to them what makes A Christian different from those in the world. He referred to the Holy Spirit given to all Christians by the laying on of hands. Now, he says this. So, in 1 Corinthians 2.12. Now, we have not received the Spirit that belongs to the world, but the Holy Spirit who is from God, given to us that we might be and comprehend and appreciate the gifts of divine favor and blessing so freely and lavishly bestowed on us by God. So there's a difference. We have the Holy Spirit, and those that are not Christian have something else. Now the thing with this is, there is a spirit that dictates what goes on in the world. Okay? And this is what I believe the Lord wants us to be much more aware of than we currently are. So we have the Holy Spirit, the one that leads us into all truth. But those sons of disobedience, as the Bible talks about, they have another spirit that is at work in their lives. Ephesians 2, 1-2 to says this. And you he made alive when you were dead, slain by your trespasses and sins, in which at one time you walked habitually, you were following the course and fashion of this world, were under the sway of the tendency of this present age, following the prince of the power of the air. You were obedient to and under the control of the demon Spirit that still constantly works in the sons of disobedience. The careless, the rebellious, the unbelieving who go against the purposes of God. So there's a spirit in the world that controls those who are not in Christ. Now, to a lesser or a greater extent, that spirit The spirit of the world influences and attempts to influence the body of Christ. It attempts to influence your life. It attempts to shorten your life. It attempts to work at contaminating you. Now when we look at the spirit of the world, this thing produces the works of the flesh, which are immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, ill-temper, selfishness, divisions, dissensions, party spirit, fractions, sects, and peculiar opinions, heresies, envy, drunkenness, carousing. But the Holy Spirit that we have bears the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, gladness, peace, for an even temper, forbearance, kindness, good benevolence, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, humility, self-control, self-restraint, countenance. So these things are what we need to have on show. But if you notice, do any of those other things from the spirit of the world operate in your life? Be honest. Be honest. Anything in that list that I mentioned, do you still do? To a lesser or a greater extent. Now this is what the Lord is saying. If you have the Holy Spirit, then how can you possibly still be displaying some of these things? That be the influence of the spirit of the world. The goading that that spirit does in your life, in your workplace, in your marriage, at home. So what is the spirit of the world? When we refer to that, what is it actually? The spirit of the world is the world's attitude, its inclination, tendency, atmosphere, mood, or frame of mind. It is the motivating impulse of the culture, which can manifest in many ways, but is definitely, definitely anti-God. You cannot participate in the world's pursuits, capitulate with them, and not have an attitude that is anti-God. So it's like someone giving you a cup of tea with dirt in it. You drink it and you take some of that dirt in. The only way to avoid taking that dirt in is not to drink it. So we have to be really careful what we drink of the world. Now, that was just a basic introduction. The real element of what I wanted to discuss was really what happened this week with me. And what happened was the Lord just took hold and just spoke his instruction. Okay? And this sermon is completely different, really. It's more about what did God say and what do we need to do about it. And I've not really allowed God to do that in a wide fashion really before. He speaks to me a lot. I get that. But a lot of the time, you kind of filter what the Lord is saying. Not filter out what he's saying, but you make it relevant to the hearer. Yeah? I ain't doing that today. I ain't doing that. So what you see, what you hear, is exactly what he said. All right? I'm not taking out a word. I'm not adding a word. That's what you said, Lord. You have Your way. So, number one, every child of God's life in the world is supposed to be a living testimony of the victory of Christ Jesus. Every child of God. Now, a lot of what the Lord said, I tried to find a scripture directly connected and relevant for it, so that you would know that it has to be the Holy Spirit rather than Deji or something else. Okay? Every child of God, so every one of you in the world is supposed to have a living testimony of the victory of Christ Jesus. Now think about that, right? A living testimony, which means something that you can share tangibly, which demonstrates the victory that you have in Christ. That is a feature of someone that is saved. Okay. Second Corinthians one twelve says this. And this is Paul speaking. Now this is our boast. Our consciousness, our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations with you, with integrity and godly sincerity. We have done so relying not on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. So they're saying that we have... Dealt by integrity and sincerity. And there would have been issues, but they're not mentioning them. What they're basically saying is, we can hold our head up. That no matter what the enemy has thrown at us, we dealt with it with integrity. No matter what argument we had amongst ourselves, we dealt with it with sincerity. Godly sincerity. Okay, And this is what they were saying. Okay, so the next thing that the Lord said, number two. Do not waste time following the polluted stream and streams of the world, but get into and go with the river of God for your life. Polluted stream and streams of the world. Now, the scripture that I pulled for this one is Jeremiah 29, 11, 13. For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not of evil. To give you a hope in your final outcome. Then you will call upon me and you will come and pray to me and I will hear and heed you. Then you will seek me, inquire for and require me, as a vital necessity and find me when you search for me with all your heart. The thing with this is God is talking about his will for you. Okay? He's talking about his plans for you. The problem we have is that the world comes with something that we think we can do. And it has nothing to do with God's will and purpose for your life, right? And it is a polluted stream and streams, okay? And when we occupy that polluted stream and streams, the filth and the dirt comes on us. But the most important thing is that it means that we are not in the will of the Lord. If you notice, God said, Get into the river of God for your life. That ain't no stream. That is a river that flows, that does not stagnate, that moves at a pace with a strong flow. That is the difference. It's a river, not a stream. Some of us need to cut off some dirty flowing water. Some of us need to come out, step out, and wash ourselves down from some stagnating, festering streams. Being in the will of God is like being in the center of a fast-flowing river. In the center of the river, the flow is strongest and fastest. The further away from the center, the river you drift, the slower and less directed the flow is. He's still in the flow, but he's not strong. We call that the acceptable will of God. Not the perfect will. God is wanting you to be in his perfect will. Not the one that he says, okay, if that's what you want to do, that's allowable. He wants you to be in the perfect will. When you're in the perfect will of God, that's where your destiny comes in. So no more polluted stream and streams. All right, number three. The Lord said then, the kingdom of God is about spiritual influence. And the spirit of the world operates against that influence at the behest of the enemy. I've never heard that before. The kingdom of God is about spiritual influence influence so if we are of the kingdom that means we have spiritual influence an influencer as you hear in youtube and so on and so forth is someone that influences a generation concerning a matter now it might be a matter of no importance or it might be a matter of great importance we are to influence humanity of matters of great importance that being salvation. Matthew 5, 13-16 says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, its strength, its quality, how can its saltness be restored? It is good for nothing, anything, any longer, but to be thrown out And trodden underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. If you don't shine, there's no light in this world. If you don't shine, there's no light in this world. So everybody, everybody will be in darkness if we don't shine. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under a peck measure, but on a lampstand and gives light to all in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your moral excellence and your praiseworthy, noble, and good deeds. And recognize and honor and praise and glorify your father who is in heaven. Now that is a serious scripture. We're to influence everybody we meet. We're to influence each other through edification. We're to influence those that don't know Christ by the good news of the gospel. We're to influence this world by bringing God's wisdom. We're to destroy false philosophies and pull down the strongholds of Satan in the minds of men. Where to influence. Where to influence. You're not to sit as a Christian in isolation and not to be an influencer. The Holy Spirit came upon you to give you what? Power. Power to do what? God is not playing around and this is why he wanted to say in how we live in the world So number 4 he said this My children should not negotiate with the spirit of the world but should shut him out of their lives completely and disallow the influence of the spirit of the world in everything that they are doing Do not be negotiating with the spirit of the world. You give Satan an inch, it'll take a mile. Why would you negotiate with a thief when you are an heir that has it all? Yeah? Why would you do that? Why would you negotiate with a thief? Yeah? Yeah? the reality. My children should not negotiate with the spirit of the world. The spirit of the world is a thief. But should shut him out, get behind me, Satan, completely, and disallow his influence of the spirit of the world in everything. He said everything, not just some things. When you're watching TV, what are you watching? Shut him out. Romans 12.2 says this, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Father, I thank you. Number five by commanding those things that are not as though they were. This is the due spiritual process by which a child of God should change the surroundings by the influence of the kingdom of God. (laughs) This is the spiritual process by which we should be changing the surroundings by the influence of the kingdom of God. So what is God saying here? He's saying all these fantastic promises that are ours, we're to call them into our reality, into our now time. That's not a passive operation, but it is an aggressive, constant thing. Commanding those things, not asking, commanding. When you command something, it means you have authority over the situation. I am healed in Jesus' name. I am the healed of the Lord. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Open up your mouth, saints. You cannot be passive. Command. Number six. Now, this is a big one. The key is for my children to fix their gaze on me as the reference point that never moves, and not to put their eye on the thing that moves in the world. They must remain constant in Christ, must not move the spiritual references as a result of the pressures of the world. This is a big snare that the enemy uses to erode godliness. that's, that's, That's a deep one. Fix their gaze on me as the reference point that never moves. Heaven and earth may pass away, but not the word. No part of the word will change. It is forever settled in heaven. And God is watching over it to perform it. Mm -hmm. Do not be looking at things where its reference nature is moving what kind of reference point is that a reference point is something that remains the same there's only one thing that does not change the word of God Hebrews twelve two to 3 says this looking away from all that will distract to Jesus the logos who is the leader and the source of our faith or the author and the finisher of our faith, giving the first incentive for our benefit, and is also the finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. He, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God, and guess where we are. Just think of him who endured from sinners such grievous opposition. Now I know grievous opposition is something that identifies with certain people in this room. Grievous opposition in your life it could be financial, it could be in the family, it could be in the workplace. It could be something in the past that is still causing you a problem. It's grievous and it's opposition to your life. Jesus endured it all and bitter hostility against Himself reckoned up and considered it just—sorry, comparison with His with your trials so that you may not grow weary or exhausted, losing heart and relaxing and fainting in your minds. You have not yet struggled and fought agonizingly against sin, nor have you yet resisted and withstood to the point of pouring out your own blood. He swept blood in Gethsemane. There is nothing that we're going to be going through that is going to be like that. Praise God. But this is the right attitude. He did not sway from what he needed to do. He kept his eyes on the Lord, on the Father. Father, if this cup could be removed, but not my will, but your will be done. The reference, the one that does not move, the one that does not change, The rock, the ancient of days, that does not move, that cannot be challenged. He kept his eye on that reference, did not sway, sweat the blood. His body was weeping in the distress of the situation, but his spirit was strong and foremost on that reference. This is what God is talking about. Do not be looking at references in the world. Number seven, it is important that we teach our children that there is a spirit behind the evil influences of the world and that they are able to discern this. Then they will not allow themselves to be influenced by the spirit, but they will be watchful over their young lives and allow the word of God to guide them like a lighthouse. That keeps you off the rocks. We have to be deliberate about making sure our children understand spiritual matters. The spirit of the world is a spirit. The Holy Spirit is a spirit. You cannot deal with spiritual things physically. You can only deal with spiritual things spiritually. So why are you trying to take some physical action when you need to pray? Teach your children how to pray. How to do spiritual warfare. Mummy, daddy, there's a bully at school. And I don't know why, but he singles me out every time. Come on, son, let's pray about it. Show them how to pray. There is a malevolent force in the world, and it's operating against our children. It's not taking prisoners. We'll get into it. It absolutely hates the body of Christ. Hates us. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. May the Lord guide every one of our children off the rocks of tribulation that they will not stumble, they will not fall, they will not be intimidated, they will not be downtrodden, and they will not be forced off. Their secure position in Christ. Yeah, I know. In the playground, they're saying things. Why do you go to church? Why do you do this? What is in that? What's Jesus done for you? Mock. They do it. Because the spirit of their enemy speaks a lot amongst children. May not one of our children be moved from their secure position in Christ. In Jesus' name. All right. Number eight. Remember that the spirit of the world hates my children. Just what I was saying. So if you make it your friend, he will suddenly destroy your life. He is your enemy and serves Satan himself. Listen. You cannot... Say to Satan, if you help me out with this, I won't pray and trouble you. You can't say that. What Satan will do is, he will allow you to join him. He will then accuse you before the Lord for doing it. He hates the body of Christ, and he hates the children of God. John fifteen eighteen twenty 20 says this. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you belonged to the world, the world would treat you with affection and would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, no longer one with it, but I have chosen you, selected you, out of the world. The world hates, detests you. Remember that I told you a servant is no greater than his master. Is not superior to him. If If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word and obeyed my teachings, they will also keep and obey yours. So whatever they did Against Jesus, they will do against you. And as Christians, we sometimes forget this scripture, not realizing that persecution is not if it comes, it's when it comes. And to be honest, when it does come, we need to rejoice. If you know that the world hates you as God's child, then why do you waste your time trying to be its friend by adopting its ways of living, e.g. watching or listening to media that contaminates our thought life and that does not glorify God. If you really consider the spirit of the world and its systems as your enemy, then you will totally falsify your life to stop it from getting any ground and operating in your life. Now, this is a military situation if you see your enemy there encroaching and coming to you, you have to respond. Otherwise, you will be overrun. And this is the problem. By not realizing the spirit of the world is your enemy, he will overrun your life if you just leave it open. So you have to fortify your life with the word of God. You have to nourish your spirit with the word of God. We're in the army of Christ. So excuse me if I'm talking warfare, but you need to know it. Okay. Let's go to number nine. The enemy likes to pollute the finances of my children by making them use the world's structures and financial strategies to underpin their finances, such as going and getting loans and getting you into debt, making you a slave to institutions. Look into it, Deji, and see whether my word lines up with these things. I had the shock of my life. Look at that detail. Detail. Pollute your finances. Make them use the world's structures and financial strategies to underpin their finances, such as going and getting loans and debt, making you a slave. Now, I'm not saying that debt is sinful. We have to look at this, right? I searched the scriptures and nowhere in the word of God does it say that debt is a Sin. Let's look at the scriptures I picked. Deuteronomy twenty eight twelve says this The Lord shall open to you his good treasure, the heavens to give the rain of your land in its season, and to bless all the works of your hands, and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. The default best position is to be a Christian lender, not a borrower. Okay? This scripture was given to say, if you're with me, if you do what I say, all these blessings will come to you. And this is one of them. You will be a lender, not a borrower. Proverbs 22.7 says this, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. If you're in debt, you are in a form of slavery. Now, that is not a sin, but it's not ideal. Okay. Now, I've got a mortgage, at least one. I've had debt, still got some debt. So, I'm preaching to myself. And the one thing about this, if I default on the mortgage, but they will come. There's no way escaping that mortgage until I pay it off. I have to pay it off or they'll take the house. So that makes me a kind of slave. Now, I'm not saying, well, actually, I am. You should consider not getting a mortgage if you can avoid it. But if you have got a mortgage... Don't worry. Why am I saying that? Romans 13.7 says this. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Just got to make sure you pay these things off. Psalm 37:21 says this: "The wicked borrows and does not repay." Now that's where the sin is: borrowing and not paying. That's where the misdemeanor is, borrowing and not paying back. But the righteous shows mercy and gives." Now, this is a difficult thing to hear. Because finances are so connected with the world's systems. So it is difficult to avoid. Okay? Very difficult. And this is what the Lord is saying. He knows. But if you don't look at it, you will never attempt to do something about it. My advice is to pray considerably about your finances and ask the Lord to show you what you should be buying, and what you should not. If you speak to anyone that is now debt-free, they will tell you just how difficult it was to get out of debt. It's so difficult for a slave to be free from his slave master. Okay. Number 10. I'm going to speed up now. Ask yourself some basic questions about who runs your life. Who has influence in your life? And what influences the direction of your life? And if you see the spirit of the world in any of that, then you have work to do. You must align your life with my word and not allow the spirit of the world to have any influence over the direction of what you do. Now, when the Lord said this to me, I was literally, I mean, it was like, it was so, so clear, the direction. It was so verbose. I mean, if you can see, the the paragraph is so together. He'd structured it, explanation, everything. And I'm like, Lord, you've not really ever spoken to me that way. But he was so assured that you need to understand these things. Romans 12:2: "Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its eternal superficial customs, but be transformed by the entire renewing of your mind. I'm not going to read all of the scripture because you've been there. But the point here is this: We have to be renewed daily through the word. We have to be alert to these influences. We have to align our lives to the Word of God. The Word of God is great. You spend some time in the Word. You read the Word and you get some revelation. And then you go and have your day. No, 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 no. You read the Word, get some revelation. How can I apply that, Lord, to my life? Where does the correction need to come, Holy Spirit? This is what God is expecting. He's expecting us to take the Word and apply the Word. To receive correction. To make an about turn if necessary. But not to stay the same. You're supposed to be renewed. Changed by the word. Number 11. The spirit of the word hates my children. And it wants to strip them of the blessings that I put on their lives. So that they feel that they are not blessed. Blessed. But this is a deception, for my children must stand firm and consider what my word says about them as the only truth. Do not listen to the voice of the world. Shut it out. Meditate on my word and nourish yourselves on my truth. Whoa. If you've got children and you're trying to do something in the house and the children are playing and shouting, you have to learn to shut out the noise. Yeah, you have to learn to do that. There are situations in life which require you to be able to shut out certain influences. And the reason I gave that analogy is because you are in the world and the world is coming at you day by day by day. And the influences are everywhere. They are visual. They are, they are audible. They're there. But you've got to shut these things out to a certain extent. If you're a man, you know what I'm talking about. Second Peter 1, 3-4 says this. For his divine power has bestowed upon us all things that are requisite and suited to life and godliness through the full personal knowledge of him who called us by and to his own glory and excellence, virtue. By means of these, he has bestowed on us his precious, exceedingly great promises so that through them you may escape from the moral decay, rottenness and corruption that is in the world because of covetousness, lust and greed and become sharers, partakers of the divine nature. Wow. Number 12. My children must control their thought life so that it does not conform to the thinking of the world Allow your mind to be renewed through my word. The stronghold is the mind. This is the battlefield. So, our thought life we must control. 2 Corinthians ten three 3-6 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For the pulling down of strongholds, strongholds in the mind, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing thought into captivity, every thought into captivity, to the obedience of Christ. And being ready to punish all disobedience with your obedience when your obedience is fulfilled. We have to cast down those imaginations Deal with those thoughts. Bring them into the obedience of Christ. You can't just let your mind be going this way and that way. You have to take responsibility for what you're thinking. Before sin happens, a thought comes forth. When the thought is fully grown, what does it do? It gives birth to sin. Now, I'm not going back to the sin thing. But really, your thought life is important. And God is telling us Be mindful of your thoughts. Don't let them conform to the thinking of the world. Number 13, let's rush through this. It is important that my children must not let the cares of the world dictate to them, but be motivated by the things of my kingdom and discern that which is pleasing to me. Don't let the cares of the world dictate to you. Mark 4, 18 to 19 says this. And the one one sown among the thorns are others who hear the word. Then the cares and anxieties of the world and distractions of the age and the pleasure and delight and false clamor And deceitfulness of riches and the craving and passionate desire for other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word, and it becomes fruitless. Doesn't need my explanation that. Again, important. 14. Pray always for direction, and you're not to lean on your own understanding or follow. What feels good? Make sure you are obedient to my spirit. Pray always for direction. Even the most mundane thing, pray for direction. Should I go that way or should I take a left or a right turn, Lord? Don't lean on your own understanding. You know, If I had not listened to the Holy Spirit on more than 30 occasions, I would be dead now. I can honestly say, if I had not listened to his counsel, Deji, don't go left, go right. Honestly, I would be dead right now. That's how crucial. It's a life changer. Lord, I thank you. Number 15, almost done. I want my children to develop resistance to the world's thinking so that the thoughts are not contaminated which can lead to error and sin. Develop resistance to the world's thinking. The only way you can develop resistance to the world's thinking is to know the word. If you're filled with the word and you obey the word, then you resist that which is not of the word. Number 16. The spirit of the world and the world system are run on fear. And that's how they control the majority of people of the world, through the bondage of fear. Now, if we just think about that, the world system is run on the basis of fear. One example. Insurance. How much insurance do you need? Car insurance. Health insurance. House insurance. Indemnity insurance. Dental insurance. Contents. Insurance for your computer, for your Apple, whatever it is. Every kind of insurance. We get it though, don't we? It's another insurance. If you count the number of insurances you've got, how many do you think you have? Five? Ten? I'm not saying insurance is a bad thing, but it is peddling on fear. Are you really that afraid that your whole life, everything you earn, is going to crash and burn that you need? All that insurance. The thing is, when you think about this, you start to then consider, wait a minute. What's happening is the doctrine and the dictates of the world have said, you will feel much better if you have this, 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 this. But your church life and your spirit, which says, I only need the the Lord himself. I only need the Holy Spirit to protect me who has been protecting me. Listen, you know what? Until they found a cure for cancer, I don't care how much health insurance you got, what's it going to go do? Now, I'm not saying medical insurance is not a good thing, but what I'm saying is the basis of your protection, your hope is in God. Whatever you do, do it without fear. Do it without fear. When you see a non-Christian that thinks something bad is going to happen to them and they're really shaking, you know what I mean? You're not like that. Consider. Fear of what will happen if I don't do that. Fear of what people will say if I am not like that. Fear of what I will lose if I don't agree with that. Fear being left out. Or behind, if I don't follow that. Fear of failure, if I don't agree with that. Fear, fear, fear. Listen. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Sound mind. You need a sound mind to deal with all of the peddling. You need this, you need that, you need this, you need that. Think on it. Pray about it. All right, let's hurry along. Number 17. Ooh. Ooh. I cannot get you to do what you do not believe in. That's why it's so important that you believe the truth of my word, so that you will then obey my instruction. If you do not believe the truth of my word, then the world will present you with its truth, which is a lie, and you will follow the dictates of the world system. Whoa. I cannot get you to believe. I cannot get you to do what you cannot believe in. I was troubled with this one. Now, the scripture are given... I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to tell you why I was troubled. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners, None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified, made just as you had never sinned. In the name of the Lord Jesus, by the Spirit of our God. Now, let's pick a few examples from that list. I cannot get you to do what you do not believe in. Fornication. Sex outside of wedlock. This is not accusing anybody, but this is stating something that we need to state. If you do not believe in the word that has just been read, i.e. you do not believe that fornication is wrong, this is what will happen. You will live with a man or live with a woman who is not your husband and is not your wife. Then this new model comes in called partner. Since when has partner been of the kingdom of God? A man and a woman are in partnership. Since when is that kingdom, right? Since when can God deliver the blessings Of his kingdom into the home through partnership. Marriage. The sanctity of marriage. Fornication is a sin, and there are many sins. But the act of fornication, continual act of fornication, denying the truth of God's word, leads to you disqualifying yourself. From what marriage brings and the covering that God brings and the covenantal blessing of marriage. I don't care who is going to the town hall to get married, right? Bring it before the Lord. Forgiveness. Pastor Rod preached on forgiveness a little while ago. If you sit in unforgiveness, because they hurt me, he said that, she said that, the world says, oh, well, if they've done that, you should never forgive them. But the Bible says forgive. The Bible commands forgive. You see, what happens is, when you negate the truth of God's word, you say that part of the Bible No longer exists for me. God can then not instruct you by his spirit. Because you do not believe his word to be true. And if you do not believe his word to be true. His promise does not qualify you to ownership. If you are in unforgiveness. I'm not going to go into the detail because Pastor Rod did it. But there is so much you will bring upon yourself. If you are not careful. God does not like this thing. Because if He did it, then we would all be lost. Then the Lord said the most striking thing of all, out of all of this. He just said, Deji, I shall be glorified in 18. I shall be glorified. In this world, when it comes to my children, I shall be glorified. No matter what comes from the left, from the right, no matter how bad it is, I shall be glorified. I took time to understand what the Lord meant. What he was saying is, when you are accused, when you are struck down, it's because of my Christ that they've come to you. It's because of what Jesus did. That's why they're accusing you. I shall be glorified. God will always be glorified, even in the bad things that happen to Christians. No matter what the situation is, he will be glorified. When you receive a bad report, or just plain bad news, For the prince of this world hates the children of God especially and wants to bring accusation and misery to our lives. 1 Peter 4.14 says this, If you are censored and suffer abuse because you bear the the name of Christ, blessed are you, happy, fortunate, to be envied. In satisfaction in God's favor and salvation. Regardless of your outward condition. Because the spirit of glory, the spirit of God is resting upon you. And on their part, he is blasphemed. But on your part, he is glorified. I shall be glorified. I still troubled me this one. And then the Lord said. John 14:13 says this And I will do I myself will grant whatever you ask in my name as presenting all that I am so that the father may be glorified and extolled in through the son So what the Lord is saying, when the troubling matter comes, he will be glorified. When you get on your knees and pray, and he hears and answers in the name of Jesus, he will be glorified in the Son. He's saying no matter what, he will be glorified. Time does not permit, so I'm not going to go any further. But the point of this, you've got to hate the world. You've got to hate it with a passion, the spirit of the world. You've got to know who your enemy is. You've got to understand how to keep yourself clean. You've got to not be passive. You've got to know that the Holy Spirit is with you. You've got to pray. You've got to pray a lot. You've got to declare and decree a thing so that it's established. You cannot not speak into that situation. You cannot sit quietly with that. When you look at David, he cried before the Lord. It said he cried. It didn't say he went before the Lord in prayer. He said he cried before the Lord. He shed tears, he made loud noises before the Lord. Night and day, if you read it, this was a man after God's own heart. So he knew the intimacy with the Lord. Can you imagine when David cried out to the Lord, what happened? When you read the Psalms, you can see. I'm not saying you should be crybabies. But I am saying, a child of God that is in distress, that cries out to the Father, will be heard. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday.